up. He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here, and it's... uh. Where are we? Thursday already, and uh, we have one great show for you today. Uh, in the studio, we have Judge Weinberg and uh, Governor Patterson, two common-sense Democrats, and a common-sense Republican. Uh, we have uh, a former chairman of uh, the Republican Party. Uh, we have Ed Cox. How are you guys? Doing well. Terrific. Good to and, be here. Yep. And my sidekick here, we have uh, Lydia Serrani and. This is a TriCast, AM 970 The Answer, WABC 770, and WLIR. And we're up and down the East Coast and uh, even Canada and Northern uh, Europe. And we have a great show for you guys tonight. We always cover all the latest topics, the most breaking topics. We are going to speak momentarily with Ambassador John Bolton. We're also going to have a report from Ukraine, what's actually going on on the ground. Then we are going to speak with Randy Levine about MLB. It looks like we're getting a full season of baseball. We're going to have a, also a crime report. Are the streets getting any safer and better? Brock Pierce will also be with us talking about cryptocurrency. And then Dr. Mikolos has the latest medical advancement. But right now, let's go go over to Ambassador John Bolton. Hello, Ambassador Bolton. What is the latest on Ukraine? Well, it's uh, one of the stories that I think uh, historians will ponder for a long time is how it is that somehow the United States was not able to agree to the offer that Poland made to transfer to Ukraine its inventory of MiG fighter planes. Obviously, these are Russian-made. Ukrainian pilots were all trained on MiGs. These are kind of legacy uh, planes for the Polish Air Force. But because the White House was so concerned about upsetting Vladimir Putin with this transfer of planes, it looks now like it's not going to happen, even though the Ukrainians have fought heroically and really imposed substantial losses on the Russians, both in terms of uh, manpower and uh, materiel, like, like planes. Uh, the, the Ukrainians have obviously suffered some pretty significant losses as well. And getting these planes uh, would have been considerably uh, important in the days ahead. Uh, and yet now it's not going to happen. And I, I really I, I can't wait for Congress to uh, uh, to get on to this. It's just absolutely stunning at this critical moment that we were not willing to give the Ukrainian military this this important uh, asset. After you. Uh, Russians made any, any uh, advances on any city that uh, they, they haven't taken a city yet, have they? No, but the, the reports that are coming in today uh, indicate that they are uh, finally maybe getting their act together around Kiev. The, the heavy shelling around Kharkiv in the north continues. Uh, I think they're getting ready to press on Odessa, the Black Seaport. There are reports of Russian ships uh, doing some shelling and attacks today, maybe maybe the early stages. And and the big thing that I don't think the press is covering accurately is the possibility that Russian forces from the south and the north would meet in the eastern part of the country and cut off substantial Ukrainian forces that have been along the line of uh, conflict with those so-called secessionist provinces in the east. Uh, the fact is, even though the Russians have made mistake after mistake, their logistics have been terrible. There's just filmed today of a, a substantial Russian tank convoy being ambushed and three Russian tanks blown up, pictures taken by a Turkish drone. 
the weight of Russia's forces uh, is still is still being felt, and I think will be felt more. So that that's why I think it's an especially important time. We ought to be doing everything we can to find ways to help the Ukrainians within within the limits that Joe Biden has set, and uh, and yet yet that's not happening. John, this is David Patterson. I feel that uh, the Russians have been so poor. Uh, they had uh, uh, convoys where they all ran out of gas. I mean, they have the first night when they were shooting uh, down the planes, they missed. And that's what's extended this uh, war for three weeks. I, over time, they inevitably have to win. But what's embarrassing is that every move that comes out of the White House right now, and I hate to say this because I supported this administration when they ran for office, it's not only embarrassing, it's shameful. Well, look, as I say, this this example of the Polish planes is, is probably the worst to date. And uh, I just want to pick up one point you made, because I do think it's important that the people say, well, when when are, when is Putin going to negotiate? What, what's he going to do about the effect of the sanctions? Uh, and the Turks today hosted the first meeting between the Ukrainian foreign minister and the Russian foreign minister since the war began. And, and it basically got nowhere. I don't think that Putin can negotiate now that the damage, the reputational damage done to the Russian army, is, as you were saying, uh, he, he can't afford to walk away from that. He's got to do something militarily that allows him to say, OK, now I've proven what we can do. You know, now I'm prepared to talk. I don't think he's close to that yet. Ambassador Bolton, what do you make of Vice President Harris being in Poland as uh, Putin wages war? She, again, seems a little awkward and was joking around and laughing when she was asked about refugees. It just the whole thing kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah, you know, the, the vice president's uh, political career really didn't turn much on international affairs. And, uh, uh, you know, everybody has their own career. They focus on what they focus on. Uh, I certainly haven't focused on a lot of domestic issues that are very important to people. But, you know, if if you're not sending somebody who can address the concerns of the countries they're going to and isn't well briefed, it's it's not it's not helpful. Uh, and, you know, it's uh, uh, it's another signal, I think, to Putin that the administration doesn't have its act together. He's watching very carefully. He's he, he took a gamble. It's not going that well for him, but he is tough and, and we shouldn't forget that. And he's prepared to tough it out. And I don't I don't think uh, whether it's the vice president or the secretary of state or other top officials, they've demonstrated the toughness that they need to see on our side. Is he prepared enough to use moderate nuclear weapons, John? I don't think so, because I think he knows that would trigger a NATO response. I mean, this is uh, uh, you, you can't rule it out. But but when he uh, purportedly tried to enhance the alert status of the Russian nuclear forces some some weeks ago or some days ago now, uh, uh, as the uh, intelligence agency heads uh, testified actually before Congress, they saw no concrete evidence that there had been any change in the alert status. Uh, it's not it's the battlefield is not this battlefield is not not well suited to nuclear weapons. It could harm his own troops more. I think he believes that he can still win this through conventional means. And I think uh, to, just to underline again the point I made about about trying to regain the credibility and the reputation of the Russian military, he's got to show that they can win a war against, you know, a second, third tier power like Ukraine. Ambassador, are we uh pushing Putin into a partnership with China, where originally he'd rather have a partnership with the EC, 
EU? Yeah, you know, uh, this this is a question we're going to have to face for a long time to come. I don't think we're pushing anywhere he doesn't want want to go already. I ultimately don't think that it's in the interest of Russia itself to get into a partnership with China, because unlike during the Cold War, Russia is going to be the junior partner here forever. And the more they think about it, I think the less they're going to like it. But right now, I believe uh, Xi Jinping has told Putin that he'll be a backstop for him if he's pinched by economic sanctions. He can work through Chinese banks if his oil and gas sales are curtailed. That China would be happy to buy it. And, you know, long term, I think the Chinese government would much rather get oil and gas through pipelines coming overland from Russia than putting it on ships in the Persian Gulf and and, uh, traveling all the way to China. So this is something that's been working for a long time. I think uh, I think they're working closely together on this. And uh, it is bad news for the United States because we've got to deal with threats in Europe and the Middle East and the Indo-Pacific. And the two of them getting the band back together again is going to make that much more difficult. How long does this go on, Ambassador? You know, I don't. I wouldn't put an end date on it yet. As I say, if, if you if you buy the analysis that uh, that I'm making, that Putin's got to have significant military achievements, and then he can say, okay, out of the goodness of my heart, now we'll negotiate. I, I don't see where those are going to come. I think he's getting ready for a pretty big push. And and that might be enough, but but he's not there yet. So I would say weeks, uh, and maybe months. Ambassador, it's uh, it's Richard Weinberg, sir. I want to ask you what's going on with this Iran deal. Why the pressure to make this deal, and why are we allowing it to go forward? Well, I tell you, this, this is something that uh, I, I just uh, words almost fail me on this. The 2015 deal was not a good deal to begin with. We've talked about that here before. Uh, the concessions that they have made to get the Iranians to come back on board make it even worse. We're going to be unfreezing uh, substantial assets that the mullahs in Tehran can use for their nuclear program for terrorism. We're going to be allowing them back into international oil markets. Uh, and, and the thing that worries me most of all is that in their effort to get U.S. domestic uh, oil and gas prices down, I think they want Iran's oil and gas back on the market so we can buy it directly. I think this is a big mistake. It's a big mistake strategically for the United States. I honestly think it's a big political mistake for the Biden administration. I think the opposition in Congress uh, and, and possibly on a bipartisan basis we should ask Chuck Schumer what he's going to do. But I, I think it's going to be overwhelming. It's going to be a firestorm. Ambassador, this is uh, Ed Cox. Uh, what lessons do you think President Xi of China is taking from uh, what uh, Putin is doing with Ukraine and the sanctions and the impact of the sanctions as he's thinking about what he will do with respect to Taiwan? Well, Ed, I think that's a critical question, and I'm I'm afraid he's drawing lessons that we're not going to like. I mean, we have seen uh, some effective sanctions imposed on Russia, but we've also seen sanctions that are full of loopholes, including, you know, belatedly, we say we're not going to buy Russian oil and gas. And the Germans say, well, count us out of that. We're going to we're going to keep doing it, as will many other Europeans. And I think what Xi Jinping is looking at in particular is that. When the West can't get its act together, when we can't stay united, dealing with an economy as small as Russia's, when you look at the big picture, it's a pretty small economy, um, uh, about the size of the Netherlands. Um, 
uh, oil and gas, very important to the Europeans. But if you can't disentangle from an economy that small and hit it with punishing economic sanctions, how hard is it going to be for us if we have to consider comparable action against China? And I think in Xi Jinping's mind and his advisors, they're saying we are much stronger here than the Russians, and we can withstand a lot more, which which is very worrying for the implications of, as you say, what they might try and do on Taiwan or elsewhere. Very worrisome indeed. Thank you so much, Ambassador John Bolton. And keep us posted. Thank you so much for keeping the truth out there and calling in again to WABC Radio. Well, thank you.